Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Good, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, so yeah, thank you for, uh, humoring me and entertaining the idea. And of course yeah. there's, there's no pressure. Um, I don't know if you checked out my podcast, but I've been like just documenting my life since the Tumblr days, which is about 12 years ago. And so I thought, uh, this would be interesting. Uh, I've never done it before. Okay. And, uh, but also, you know, you, you may not be a, uh, a public person and you may be more private and I totally respect that. So it was just an idea. Yeah, no, I got a chance to listen to just a few minutes of, um, the relationship residue one, mm. I got, got a sense of it. And, you know, I'm not super public. Like I don't have, um, I don't even, I don't even have a website. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also feel like this is your work, right? Like we're doing this, like for you to further your awareness, your growth. And so, um, I think as long as I, I don't need to be named or anything, right. Anonymous. Um, I think it's, it's cool that you're so, I mean, I'm just, yeah, was really appreciating the few minutes that I heard of your podcast and, um, felt excited that I could be maybe even a part of, right. Like your understanding of your own relational patterns and things like that. Yeah. I, um, so, so you will be known as, uh, just quote unquote, my therapist, <laughs> no name, <laughs> no okay. face. Um, but I, I think, um, you're definitely a catalyst in my life because what's been unique about our sessions is, um, I've noticed that you are more somatic or you are more like, um, let's drop into your body. And of course, um, I've been a logical creature most of my life. And so. Um, I think this is going to be like a, a, a dog year, you know, I think this is going yeah. to be like a, a kind of a, a new chapter in, in, um, working with dropping into my body, um, um, doing, so doing this, doing quote unquote, the work instead of just me writing about it and talk like, instead of, uh, instead of me being the guy as do it as do as I, uh, say, not as I do, I want to be the guy that's do as I do, not just as I say, I guess. Yeah. Well, and you know, I heard you say in the podcast, like, I don't want self-help to be so complicated, which I like, yeah. really appreciated. And I was like, you know, I think part of why self-help gets tricky is it's all thought, you know, and it's like, it can be so reassuring and validating and containing to, to like have the awarenesses. But I think the body, bringing the body with us yeah, is what can really create some sustainable change. Um, and I also really loved what you said about like, you can't just process alone. Like that's not what processing is. And that just, I take to heart so deeply because we know neurobiologically we're all tangled up with each other. We feel each other. We need each other mm -hmm. We're humans, you know, that's what's unique about us. And so I think that's also part of bringing the body with us too, is understanding how we feel in relation to other people. Yeah. And this is also my attempt at scraping the stigma with therapy. I think a lot of people, um, think that therapy, um, you know, is this or is that, or what, I, I just want to kind of, um, 
pull the curtain back and, and show people that this therapy, this is what it is. It's not like, you know, you don't, you also don't have to have quote unquote issues um, to process things. And, uh, and, and, and yeah, I, I also think a lot of people um, think they don't need a therapist because they, they could just read self-help books and stuff like that. And that's, that's, you can't process by yourself. No. Yeah. I agree with that like very deeply. And I actually think sometimes when you process by yourself and you read the self-help book and then you don't change you can really turn inward on yourself and be like, mm. well, why isn't it working? I didn't do the things. And it's because we require that attunement and that, that mirroring and that processing and that, um, yeah. just, yeah, like the holding of a mirror. Yeah. It's just, it makes a difference. Yeah. And I want you to know that there's no commitment to this. So, you know, um, as I, as I see you, if you're like, eh, I'm not really feeling it anymore. I want to pull the plug. That's totally cool. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't really, you know, I thought about it. I was like, what are the drawbacks? I don't really know. As long as I'm anonymous, you know, yeah. this is yeah. your work. This is your process. And I kind of feel like, well, who am I to tell you, like, you can't take this where you want to take it? Yeah. I, I think it's a lot more terrifying for me than it is for you, but I don't want, I, I, I don't want to take away your truth, but I, yeah. I feel, yeah. Well, once I listened to you a few minutes, I was like, you know, gosh, it's gotta be pretty vulnerable to like especially do a podcast. I mean, to do a podcast in general, but then to do yeah. one where you really are documenting and sharing your own stuff. Like I just um, felt a lot of admiration for you and was oh, like, well, you. if he's that vulnerable, I can join him in there and help him, Aww. you know. Thank um, you. Um, yeah, it definitely scares me. This is probably um, the most vulnerable things I've done. Um, I have a podcast with my girlfriend and we're pretty raw in that, but this for some reason... Um, because it's my own personal stuff, it makes it um, kind of terrifying. And I think, you know, I, I feel like I've swam too far to turn back now. So I can't, I can't, I can't delete 5,000 um, blog posts and video. You know, it's like, it's, it's already okay. I, you know, it's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta move forward, not, not uh, be afraid. So anyway. Yeah. And what do you feel? Let's just check in. Yeah. Like when you put, say that, like, 12,000 entries and I've really put myself out there. Yeah. Um, mostly there is, uh, um, there is some panic. There is, um, you know, what have I done? Um, but also there's a feeling of, oh, you know, I, I did something, you know, um, I, before becoming a therapist was, uh, wasn't purpose filled and I was very hollow and, um, I just wanted, um, money and things and, you know, the beautiful wife and this idea of what I thought, uh, would be happy, which was very, uh, commercialized and, um, especially growing up in LA and, um, pursuing a career in screenwriting. So also not only growing up in LA, but pursuing something that was entertainment based. So there's just a lot of sugar and crust and, and all of that. Um, and so now as a therapist, and someone who is starting all over and then pursuing uh, a career where I'm trying to help other people and write self-help books and all that. Um, I feel that those 12,000 or whatever I've been doing in the last decade um, has more meaning. And, and you know, I'm, I'm no longer um, hanging a life that is um, based on chasing things, but instead um, trying to use my story and uh, transparency to help other people. So I find value in it. Yeah. So there's like this flutter of panic. And then also it sounds like a settling when you can yeah. give it another minute of like, 
this is meaningful to me. Like I, this is what I want to do. This is my calling, so to speak. Yeah. And I wonder, as you're saying that, um, if I was to practice more of, cause I easily, like, even when I'm talking to you, you ask me, you know, how does that feel in your body? And I go there for a second and then I'm, I'm suddenly right in the story. And then I start getting, you know, and then I uh, turn it into a conversation. Right. So, um, yeah, to, to, to go back to my body. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about today was, um, that in a week I'm going to turn, uh, 48. Okay. And so Happy birthday. thank you. Speaking of panic, you know, speaking of, um, I, I feel like I'm just, uh, getting older, you know, uh, thirties was great. Forties was amazing. And now like I'm swimming toward 50 and now there, now there's panic. Right. Um, now there's like, like that big old, that the five O thing, you know, you feel it. Is that the same kind of panic you felt of like, I have 12,000 entries out there about my life or is it a different kind of quality of panic or the 50 for me feels like it doesn't, I know a lot of people say that 50 is halfway. Um, I can logically agree, especially with, you know, um, how we're living longer and all of that, but I don't feel that, right? I feel like when I was 12 and my uncles were in their 40s, I thought they were so old and now I'm past that. And so 50 to me feels like, okay, um, what comes to my mind is uh, you're not going to move as fast. You're not going to be as strong. You're not going to uh, be able to get it up, but you're not going to, you know, um, be running around playing with your daughter. Also, like with work and stuff, um, I feel kind of behind. I feel like I should be further along or doing more. So all of that kind of translates into into panic. Wow. All right. Well, maybe just pause there for a second. Give it a couple breaths. There's a lot. You know, there's the body. Will the body keep supporting me? Will my body stay with me? But then I hear this totally other layer, which is more about like, am I enough? Have I done enough? Which is yeah. Really yeah. Um, that's been a theme. Like uh, one of my false beliefs is that I'm the almost guy, you know, the half-assed, the C student. And so um, mm. it only has been in the last maybe three years that I've, I've been feeling more like, you know, I've done some things, I've published some books, I've helped some people. Um, up until, you know, uh, three years ago, I really haven't felt like, I felt kind of like an imposter. I felt like someone who hopped the fence and, you know, got into the party that they weren't really invited to. Um, and I think that's just residue from trying to get into entertainment and not being invited to that club, you know, being, being the outsider. Yeah. I just want to keep slowing it down because there's so much in this, right? Maybe even before the entertainment piece of it, you know, like, do I belong? Like this goes back to just some core stuff around belonging and um, enoughness, you know, that shows up obviously at different points in our lives. Um, yeah, in the 80s, um, when I first came to America, we uh, there, were, there were no Asian people. Um, it, it was all predominantly uh, Caucasian and Hispanic. Um, and yeah. so 
we were the only Asian family for like miles. And so um, the idea of belonging, not fitting in, um, that's been huge. Yeah. Do you feel anything? Is there any pit in your stomach or clenched jaw or tears close by? Um, I feel tension in my shoulders a little bit. I feel, um, I feel a sadness. Um, I mean, also, because I was just thinking about my daughter and um, when I was, man, my wonder years when I was, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, what it it must have felt like for me as a, as a kid to, to want to fit in, but, you know, um, like I didn't want to be Korean, you know, um, all the, all the popular kids had blonde hair and blue eyes and, um, what that was like for me, it may be sad and almost just kind of cry in a second when I thought like, what if my daughter feels like that, you know? You can really, really let yourself feel it through the lens of your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Because like no kid should feel that way. Right. 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 It's devastating. And it gets burned into us, you know, like, will I belong looking like this and this skin and my body as I am? Yeah. And I, I, I think I became obsessed with building things maybe as a way to um, survive that, you know, so like hours playing with Legos, yeah. you know, um, taking my skateboard and building um, you know, a roller coaster in my back, like, um, built yourself a little skate park, a little skate park. Um, I wanted to charge money, but no one came. So I did that by myself. I just wrote, wrote, wrote in the bag, a lot of playing by myself. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was my version of the lemonade stand, um, a little skate park in my backyard that no one came to. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, reflect that back to you. But I'm hearing the loneliness kind of echoing, echoing throughout. Good exhale. You know, what comes up for me is, um, as we're talking about this, is um, self-love is like, you know, um, do I even today... uh, believe that I am enough and have self-love or am I still, you know, am I still the kid uh, building a skate park in the backyard by himself, hoping, you know, he will be accepted or um, part of me building that was to give someone else an experience experience and, and, and all of that. Um, or am I still, uh, because, because the, you know, part of what we're talking about the last 12 years of me documenting has been a very alone process, you know, when you're writing blogs and, talking to yourself in a garage. Um, It's me playing with my Legos, you know? And I think a part of that is, that's part of who I am. It's part of what what I like about myself and and hitting flow states. And that's where I I, I can be creative. But at the same time, I wonder, there's a loneliness to it, you know? Well, and you're hearing the echoes of that in being seven, eight, nine, ten. I assume that's maybe when you got here to the States. Yeah, we came here when I was actually we came here when I was three. I don't, I just don't, I don't remember much of those times. Uh, we landed in Georgia. Uh, I know, I, I, I remember feeling in my body a lot of racism and tension. 
Um, and we left very fast and then drove uh, from Georgia to Los Angeles in a, in a little VW. Um, and what I do remember is like around seven on, you know, the, the, the wonder years, I guess, the 80s. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm, I'm really appreciating hearing like, I really like this about myself. You know, like, like I think there's something to build on there. Um, but while also letting you yourself experience the cost of it, you know, it's like, it's like, yes, building by myself is something I can really appreciate about myself. And it came at a cost because it's been, it's been lonely. Yeah. It's been lonely. Yeah. And I wonder, um, my parents were never home because where I was working. So, uh, I was exposed to um, um, you know, the, the Playboy channel and pornography and stuff at a very early age, um, chasing so, girls and stuff like that really early. Well, and like, if that's a template for connection, that's going to create some neural pathways, right? At a really early age that kind of confuse connection, sex, intimacy, love, romanticism. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, chasing uh, women to um, feel better about myself, right? Like um, feeling – so I remember – I have this one memory. There was a girl. She was 16. Her her name was Doreen. I was, I think, 12, and I, I just like, you know um, – really you know that it just kind of like started liking with uh, girls and um she was very developed at 16 and um all the the older kids liked her and for some reason um she had a crush on me and i remember feeling so special i, I remember that her having a crush on me was kind of the ticket for, for me to feel belonging within you know the my french my friends the other the other guys boys in the in the block Wow. That was your way in. And so that's something you're going to replicate if that's the first sense of real belonging and inclusion that you're getting. You're going to want to replicate that because yeah. it's good to belong. We're wired for it. We crave it. We need it. Yeah. I wonder how much of that impacted me as an adult, you know, and, and, um, dating and relationships and you know um all of that yeah i mean i think you've heard me say like what fires together wires together right you know and creates shortcuts neural pathways oh this is how you belong okay i'm gonna replicate that because mm -hmm. this feels good but it's built up on a shaky foundation because in the years prior it sounds like it was very lonely and there was a lot of maybe insecurity will i be accepted why aren't i being accepted yeah you, you know what's funny is when i um when i teach and i talk about um uh, when i felt the most alive the the image i always talk about is the 80s and um 
There's lots of noise in the background. Sorry. Um, uh, I, th I think about the eighties and, and, you know, windbreaker fat laces and me spinning on my head and, and, and those times. And I always play them back. Like they were so amazing. Um, but if I really look at the, my childhood, it was actually really lonely. I, um, spent a lot of time by myself in my head. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the kid looking out the window, um, daydreaming in classrooms and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, how are you, are you making meaning in some way right now about how you've set it up in your mind versus how you're kind of re-experiencing it now? Yeah. I feel like, um, not much has changed in that, um, although I do a lot of content producing, I'm an introvert. I'm a low, I'm a, I'm kind of a loner, you know? Um, I think I've always been kind of a loner in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And is that okay? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it is okay. I, I don't, um, it, when I think about me as a kid being alone, it makes me sad, you know, um, uh, my eyes kind of well up. Yeah. But when I think about me um, today and uh, doing the things I do kind of on my own, that doesn't make me feel sad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's, I mean, I guess I want to offer this like nuance and complexity to the experience of being a loner, an introvert. Um, that it doesn't have to be just one thing and it can have it can have joyous things about it and it can have really sad and destructive things about it. It's yeah. that's okay. But can we make room for all of it, right? Instead of just the one-dimensional narrative that um it was epic, right? Mm -hmm. Like like that that discounts the lonely part of yourself that really longed for a group or people. Yeah. Acceptance, belonging, um, you know, uh, to feel value, to feel, um, worth popularity, all of that stuff. Yeah. And it's like, I just going back to what you said about turning 50, like, have I done enough? I'm not always, I'm the half, Look at what you said. Like I'm the half there C student. Oh, an almost guy. An almost guy. Yeah. And that just doesn't feel. Well, one, it doesn't feel like a complex narrative about yourself. It feels mm. collapsed narrative, is what I would say. Yeah. Um. And are there remnants, right, of that like old messaging that is in that right now? And, and is there room to look at it in a more complex way? Like, I would never, I mean, I don't know you super well yet, but I would never like think of the words an almost guy as I've come to know you a little bit. Yeah, I, um, that's just, that's, uh, it's, um, it's how I feel. I don't feel like, um, I feel like the guy, the, the guy that stumbles onto things by accident, you know, um, more so than someone who is uh, um, uh, um, doing things purely based on talent. Mm. You, you know what I'm saying? So I, I kind of feel like I've gotten lucky a few times 
um, with where I'm at, uh, you know, just with, you know, um, having the opportunity to publish books and, and do things and um, cre create a life that that I really enjoy and with lots of freedom. Um, but I don't feel that I, I feel like I've been lucky that I've stumbled upon things. Um, and it's my, um, my ability to kind of um, be reckless and um, pull from wonder and just kind of like pull the trigger and all of that. But I don't feel like I've actually done many wonderful things um, and they're, they're very kind of clean and intentional, if that makes any sense. Do you have like an example? Like, I mean, I hear you kind of, yeah, I don't know if I'm fully there yet. I mean, I'm hearing like some acknowledgement of what you've done, but then this like minimizing of like, yeah, but the way I did it was just because I was reckless and lucky. Yeah, because maybe I don't feel that. Um, and I'm like, well, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't, I, maybe because I don't feel like I'm I'm smart or I feel like, uh, you know, um, I've gotten by more through um, tap dancing or um, more, you know, hard work or execution or having the courage to just kind of um, – um, you know, jump out of the plane, like those, those type of things more so than um, a plan and execution. And, uh, um, you know, like when someone goes to college, and they get really good grades, and then from that, they get, you know, a safe, secure job with a corner office. And then from like, so I don't feel like I've done things that way. I feel like I'm just kind of a mad scientist. I was just, uh, you know, the bull in the china shop, <laughs> just stumbling through life. And so it's hard for me to uh, see the, the things I've done as accomplishments, you know. Right. Um, well, it's like you're framing your life up against a very like white, capitalistic, yeah, yeah, Eurocentric, like definition of success, which and it's what I grew up with. Yeah, it's what yeah. we all grew up with, but I think. Right. It's arming us deeply um if we don't fit the cis white het um model of success you know that the system is actually designed for mm. and like even what is considered smart like let's deconstruct that like mm -hmm. that's a bunch of bullshit even our education system is like yeah not designed for diverse learners or mad scientists I mean, I definitely feel more comfortable in the world now, especially with the internet and the ability to, yeah. um, to not, to not, to, to, to create and design and distribute and do things on your own than I did when I was growing up and things were more, um, you know, uh, there, there were more, uh, blueprints passed down from our, our, our parents kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I worry, you know, I don't want to get into like, um a back and forth where i'm trying to convince you um <laughs> uh, you know your self-worth and your amazing accomplishments if you're not there but i think i want to kind of track it with you and like see what yeah. we fall apart there because um a lot of even therapists right they get their bachelor's in psychology they have a 4.0 they go to their master's program they get straight a's 
and maybe they struggle in the field. Um, you know, something I just had this revelation. Um, so I went to a, I got my master's in a private school in Encino. Um, uh, the Phillips, it was called the Phillips Graduate Institute. And even the, what's that? I know Phillips. Oh, you know Phillips, yeah. So even the name of it kind of seem, feels like it's the DeVry or the ITT tech of therapy. Um, and, and I loved it. I got straight A's, but I've even going to that school, I felt like an imposter. I felt like, you know, while other people were going to real therapy schools, here I am in Encino um, going to this hack school. And then recently I found out, I think about a year ago, they lost their, they lost their, and yeah. And that like, cause I feel like, cause I also went to CSUN and I, I didn't even apply to UCLA and US school uh, and all those schools because I knew I couldn't even get in. So, um, going to CSUN, which is 30 minutes from where I grew up, which is the commuter school. And while all the other people were going to like these fancy, you know, UC Santa Barbara and these fancy schools. And I felt kind of like the kid that got held back. Mm -hmm. And then for my grad school, I was kind of embarrassed that I went to, mm -hmm. you know, Phillips. And then when people ask, where'd you graduate? I would just be like, oh, um, just a private school in Encino, you know, and I wouldn't get into exactly where. Um, and, and, and a lot of my podcast interviews, when they talk about, you know, my, my education, I just kind of. Uh, just say a private school in Encino. And, and I wonder if that's also tied to this, you know, um, yeah. being an imposter, you know, uh, me being the unconventional therapist. Um, am I really an unconventional or am I a fraud? You know, am I someone who um, broke rules and, and, and saw people at coffee shops and did all these things that you weren't supposed to do um, because they were honest to me? Or was it because it was it a way of cheating? You know, was it, a, 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 again, the, the, the bull in the china shop, not following the rules? So I think from the outside, people can see my story and be like, oh, that's inspiring and brave and courageous. But I, I think sometimes I see my story as someone who is doing things because he um, is a C student, mm. because he didn't get into the good school. Yeah. I mean, I feel like my heart breaks a little, you know, as I hear that narrative. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you're feeling that right now. Yeah, it makes it makes me um, it makes me sad. And yeah, it's, I mean, I really don't. It, again, I this feels like a collapsed narrative, you know. But I, yeah. I understand why it's there, and I think it's really good to feel it you know, and keep breathing if you can and move, move this through you. Um, because part I think, of, oh no, yeah. I think, um, I mean, one of the reasons why I'm feeling emotional is because as I'm talking about this, there's a part of me that feels like, um, then it makes me fraudulent. And I think that's my uh, that's my greatest fear is that when um you know one day when I go that um, <laughs> people uh, will think that I I was a, f a fraud. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah. It's so, um, it's so interesting because part of me is reflecting around like, because you were a C student, because you had this like lack of belonging, that sensitivity and that experience is what shaped you to try to do something different in this field and really reach people on a more human level and a less academic or hierarchical level. And it feels like you can't even see that in this moment or let it sit side by side with this other feeling. Uh, and so you wanna bring it in and just see if there's room for both to exist. For this feeling of being fraudulent and imposter, which by the way, I supervise a lot of people and every single person, hundreds and hundreds of therapists have said this to me through the years. And said what? I feel like an imposter. Mm, yeah. And then also bring in this nuance of like, I took my pain and I did something unique with it. Yeah. And that's real. That's, there's nothing impostery about that. That's just real. And can you see that? I don't know. Maybe I'm mm. ahead, but. I, it's hard for me to see that I took my pain and did something unique with it. I mean, I, I could see that a little bit, of course. Um, just through, you know, uh, the emails and followers and, and all of that. But, exactly. um, but I also kind of have been the guy who verbally vomits and can be irresponsible with his shares. And so, you know, when I created the Angry Therapist blog on Tumblr, was it really giving or was it taking, you know, um, was it again, me being a child and being irresponsible by verbally vomiting when as a therapist um, you shouldn't be doing that because you're a professional and you shouldn't be showing that side of you you know so on one side i can um, tap dance and say oh look how courageous i was and and, there, and i've gotten a lot of um, positive emails saying that because of me that you know people are now showing the therapist other therapists are showing themselves and all that but then there's a side of me that feels fraudulent in that was that true or were you just being a child like usual um you know like you were in your marriage and uh, not being responsible with yeah. you know your your your, um, your privacy you know well were you verbally vomiting on the world <laughs> well i mean he wants to say, so what if you were? So what if you didn't know what you know now? Yeah. What if you didn't know what you didn't know? So what? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I didn't because I didn't, didn't think anyone would read it. I, I didn't know that that was going to turn to this. You know, I didn't know <laughs> that, that that was going to lead to um, me building anything. I thought it was just um, me for myself, a personal thing. But but still, I knew people were reading it. So as as that grew, um, I wonder if it was irresponsible or if it was truth and courageous. You know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Because if it was irresponsible, then I do feel like an imposter or a fraud. Or I do feel like, you know, the almost guy or someone who 
um, has cheated or um, went to the 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 hack the devry of therapy school the ITT it's so funny because like I look at Phillips as like the seminal place to get great systems uh, theory knowledge and like yeah. I have a lot of respect for Phillips. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Um, their fam- I, their family systems work is really great. It's you know it's interesting you say that because my whole uh, containers concept uh, hangs on Bowen. That's what I took away from. Phillips is Bowen, um, raising your differentiation of self. And then my pseudo for solid self, which I've tattoos on, on each arm. Um, yeah, yeah, that was, that was all from therapy school. I, I don't remember anything else other than that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, I went to Pepperdine and I sort of felt like it was just a machine. They're just churning people out, you know, like, yeah. like I got this amazing education. It was all in the practicum. It was all in the actual work. Pepperdine is actually a great example. I remember um, seeing that school, which overlooks Malibu and hearing stories of during break, you guys going surfing. And I always imagined people that went to Pepperdine were so beautiful and smart. And you know what I'm talking about? Like all the, all the, all the, the uh, smart, um, it's also a private school. So all the smart, wealthy, attractive, beautiful um, cool kids in my high school went to school schools like Pepperdine. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because I think for me, Pepperdine was an office building in West LA and they didn't require you to take the GRE. Oh, you didn't, you didn't go to the Malibu campus. Oh, <laughs> right. Right. So there you go. Right. Like this yeah. is what, this is how we tell collapse narratives, right? We make, we put a projection out there that leaves out, like it was the commuter school for the working adult that was trying to work and go to school at night. Um, and I didn't have to take the GRE, which was huge for mm. me. And that's why I went there. I also wonder if all of this is coming up. I mean, it's coming up because uh, you're stirring and it's a, this conversation, but I also wonder if this is all contributing to my swim toward 50, you know? Yeah. Well, that's where Looking we started. Back. And I yeah. think this reflection on like, you know, I guess I want to introduce this idea of like, we can only know what we know. And I, I don't know if you believe this, but I, I truly believe we do the best we can with the resources that we have in the moment. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not good enough. Sometimes it is good enough. Sometimes it's somewhere in the middle. Is there room to look at your journey with a bit of that lens rather than it was fraudulent, it was impostery, it was this or it was that? And really looking at like, well, I was word vomiting and that's what I knew at the time. That's what I needed at the time. That was part Mm -hmm. of my journey. And Mm -hmm. can I have a little bit of gentleness towards that or even compassion for that 30 year old that was embarking on this new thing or 35 year old. I don't know the exact timeline. Like, is there room to play with this a little bit? Yeah. Um, it's easy for me to tell my clients to do so. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard for me to, um, to practice that, you know, and I, and one of the reasons why I got, uh, I think I got emotional as a kid uh, when I was thinking about me as a kid growing up and my parents were always gone and, my parents were amazing. They've done so much, but they weren't really, they didn't give me a lot of emotional milk, right? They and, were surviving in this new land. Yeah. And, and um, work. I imagined, uh, and see, like I instantly get emotional because I imagine, um, and, and I think any parent can 
You know, when you think about yourself, it doesn't hit. But then when you think about like your child, you know, going through, like I'm imagining my daughter um, playing by herself, you know, at seven, eight, nine, um, yeah. unsupervised, no one's. And so her trying to fit in and her, you know, building her version of the uh, skate park in the backyard, uh, waiting for her customers to show up and no one, no one shows up. And, um, and so it, it's very, uh, that loneliness, it, it makes me um, very sad, you know? Yeah. And can you feel a gentleness toward yourself in that, in this very moment? <sighs> Just using your inhales, even with a soft hug around this and using your exhales just to release. Yeah. I mean, this is the growing empathy for yourself, for your little self. And this tending that never got tending to. That's what these tears represent to me, at least. It's like, okay, I'm gonna take this little guy with me. He was super um, creative and clever and lonely, lonely. Yeah. And he needs to come along for the ride. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what that looks like um, um, for him to come along for the ride, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and like you wouldn't call him an imposter, would you? No, no, yeah. he was just uh, he was just surviving. He was being himself, you know. There it is. There's that gentleness. He was surviving. He was mm -hmm. doing what he knew how to do. He was clever. He was creative, and he was deeply lonely. Yeah, and he is you. Yeah, I feel like it's just a lot of tenderness with you right now and tears in my eyes as well. Mm. You know, I think, um, um, so you know Kevin Hart, who's super uh, uh, positive and, and I don't know him as a person, but um, he always talks about uh he's just getting started and, you know he's built this empire and he's doing so many things and he's like oh i'm just getting started um and logically um i want to say that because i'm you know my my all the seeds i've planted are now kind of bearing fruit and i and i feel like i've, I've done okay um but i I don't feel like I'm just getting started. I feel like I'm at the end. I feel like, uh, and you know, um, I think that's also part of this too, is like, as I hit 50, it's like, um, my goal was to write six books. I'm at four. I don't know. Am I? Um, I feel like I'm, you know, seeing the, 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 the um, finish line. I feel like, you know, and, and maybe this is a lot of review and reflection is looking back and asking myself, like, what have I really done? You know, and, and, and big things like, you know, did I do it? correctly or was i fraudulent did i cheat you know um and so i think that kind of review as i swim toward 50 is um what's making things come up and yeah well and again you know is there room to like 
reframe and replace some of this language so that you can have a different lens on how you're looking back. Cause I think even that language puts a lens on how to look at it, you know, like instead of cheated, like how adaptive was I? How creative was I? How did I skirt and shift to get to where I needed to be? Which is really different language than this like way more judgmental, difficult language of like, did I cheat? Like, I don't think you cheated. Yeah, but I also feel like um, I want to start with truth. And so if I start to see things in a different lens or, um, you know, am I then manipulating it, right? Like, isn't that what we're always doing anyways? And isn't that in a way what you're doing by labeling it cheating? Mm. You're manipulating how you're going to see it. Yeah. I was it's just... all a manipulation, right? Like, that's what we do. It's, um, it's how we have relationships. We try to have influence. We let people influence us, right? Like, um, and I don't know, I guess I just, I see how hard you can be on yourself. I cheated. I'm an imposter. And I don't know if that's the truth. And that, you know, I think you seem kind of convinced that that's the truth. Like, Oh no, I cheated Jamie. Like, let me tell you, I got to start there. Well, I, I don't know if I feel like I have, it's more of the question, did I? So, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. so, so it's not that I feel like I am an imposter. Um, the question is, am I, okay. did I cheat? Did okay. I do this right? Did I do it fair? Um, did you, you just know. do it in the best way that you knew how in the moment that you did it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely feel like I did what was honest to me. Um, I did, I did, I did try the, um, I did try tucking my shirt in. You know? <laughs> uh, I, I did the, um, the treatment centers and the, um, did all of that stuff. And, you know, it took me six years, by the way, to get my 3000 hours. And it took, you know, it took my girlfriend, I think two or three, <laughs> I took a year off, but it took me a long time to get those hours. Yeah. I think that that's more normal than you think. Um, I've worked with a lot of people that have taken six years, have had to get the extension. Yeah. Um, you did it how you did it, you know? And I guess maybe that's the lens. I guess maybe the invitation would be like, how do I contextualize a little bit more and label a little bit less? Mm. You know, looking at like, what supports were available to me in that moment? What did I know about myself in that moment? How did I know what I know about myself in that moment? Yeah. Um, what was modeled for me? What was modeled in the culture as a way of looking at these moments rather than with the labeling? Yeah. There's a quote um, by uh, the um, by Stephen. Oh, let me grab it real quick. Read it to you. It's by Stephen Young. He's uh, he did the. Um, Minari, the, he's from Walking Dead. He's a Korean actor uh, who just got, I think, nominated for uh, uh, an award. And uh, I posted this because it really resonated with me. He, he wrote, sometimes I wonder if the Asian American experience is what it's like when you're thinking about everyone else, but no one is thinking about you. Mm -hmm. And when I read this, I was like, oh, that's kind of how oh. I felt as a kid. Um, and even in grad school, you know, at Phillips, it was all uh, mostly female Caucasian. Um, I think there were only 
three Asians. I was one of them. The other two Asians I couldn't relate to because they were kind of older and just, you know, um, but as far as like, uh, just, you know, uh, in his thirties, I was the only Asian guy. And, um, I remember, um, yeah, I just remember kind of, again, you know, that theme of feeling, um, outside, outside, outside. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just, that quote is really struck me. It's really powerful. Yes. Um, feeling invisible feeling, um, and you're thinking about everybody else in the world. Hmm. Thinking about you. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't, I don't really feel that now as much as I did growing up in the eighties. Definitely felt that way. Yeah. I'm sure many Asian Americans feel that way, especially with what's going on. Yeah. That's heartbreaking and and also really angering. Um, And I think, you know, you're right. Like I, I think about my grad school experience, like there was very few men Mm. um, and very few people of color. Um, even at the West LA campus for working adults. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that again is why it's so important to contextualize even the culture and how systems work for even educational systems. Like who do we see have opportunities to get higher degrees and higher education and like, um, that isn't an individual deficit thing. That is a systems thing. Yeah. Yeah. We live in an interesting time. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Um, but yeah, I, it's, I think, yeah, maybe just thinking about that more is like, how do I contextualize these experiences? Um, rather than wonder, you know, through this lens of was I fake or phony or something? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I don't know how useful it is. And I actually don't know how truthful it is either. Right. If we want to start with the truth, then let's just contextualize what was there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a double-edged sword, you know, <laughs> my, my, my story. Um, but yeah, well, thank you for the session. Yeah. 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 It's good. Lots of, lots of sit with, be gentle with yourself as you sit with these thoughts. If mm-hmm. you um, and I will see you next week. Yeah. I was going to say be well, cause that's what I say to my clients, but, uh, I forget that, uh, that, um, I'm your client <laughs> today, <laughs> but you know, be well anyway, you're, Thanks. you're, you're a human being as well. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, John. Yeah. You too. I'll, I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Bye. Listen, if you are great at helping other people and you have a passion for that and you want to find personal freedom and level up the skills you already have, it's time to become a life coach. Journey coaching. When I became a coach, there was nothing like this out there. And so I developed this coaching training program alongside Noel Cordeaux, Journey Coaching. That's J-R-N-I. And it is amazing. It's 100% live. It's everything that I wish I had when I was starting out. Meaningful, evidence-based education, real people, 
Real Community, Lifetime Support and Business Development, ICF Certified. Just go to theangrytherapist.com, my website, and click on Become a Coach and explore the Journey Coaching Intensive. See you in class.